0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword. I'm Dave Tisch. We, for the past few weeks, have been going through the Lord's Prayer, line by line. A prayer which is iconic and which many scholars think is the most recognizable prayer and also the most prayed prayer in human history. So we've been teasing it apart, trying to see what Jesus is teaching us about life with God and life in general. And this week we come to the final clause that we're going to be looking at in this series, and that Clause, that little line that Jesus puts in there is perhaps the most confusing, the most quizzical, and the most jarring to modern ears. And that's this line Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one? What is, what's going on there? Who is the evil? When I was five, I thought the evil one was Darth Vader and he lived in my closet. Is that what Jesus is talking about? The answer is no. Jesus is not talking about Darth Vader. But this week, Andy Gridley is here in the podcast studio to talk about why this line is super important for us to keep in the front of our minds. And so with that, let's dive right in. No, so I have to I have to share this with you. You got a teenage daughter. Yes. So do I. Yep. They're about a year apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter turned 15 this past week. Oh my god. 5.
1: She can get her permit.
0: Uh, well, that's not the that's 15 and the, a half. Yeah, I guess. So, and so she and she wanted to for her birthday party. She wanted to take her friends to the beach. So it's like seven 15 year old girls in my Honda Odyssey minivan, and I'm driving over 17. Oh, boy. To go to the beach, it was, first of all, that many teenage girls. Have you ever been in a in a house with that? Uh, or, or have you ever had a party? Not
1: 17 you? in a confined space like that. No, seven. Oh, seven. I'm my sorry.
0: Guess. Seven. Can you imagine seven 15-year-olds?
1: Seven Seventeens. I heard 17. Seven. Oh, my god! I'm sorry. I, Can you imagine yeah. 17? Yeah. Uh,
0: it was so much energy, so much glitter, so much Taylor Swift. It was overwhelming. Yes. It was unbelievable. And we're driving over the hill, and this is what was nuts about it. So we're driving over, and my daughter has a playlist. And she's mm. like, Dad, I want, I want you to play this playlist. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. What, what, what kind of music? I wonder. Her friends are picking out songs, you know, and putting them in the queue on Spotify. And this song comes on, and one of the girls goes, oh, this is my jam.
1: Nice. She
0: goes, this is my jam. It's and my jam. Another, another girl says, this song just hits different. Mm. Again, 15-year-old girls. In the Honda Odyssey. And this was the song. I'm going to play it. Okay, oh, okay, I
1: can't wait. No. No.
0: No Scrubs by TLC.
1: Yes. Oh, this takes me back.
0: Well, first of all, and it's incredible because it's a song about deadbeat guys. Right. And how they're not worthy of... Right. Of, of feminine attention because right. they're boys pretending to be men.
1: Yeah, they're scrubs. And,
0: and my daughter and her friends are like, this song... This just, hits at this a deep hits- level.
1: <laughs>
0: what? First of all, it's a little sad. That song came out like in 1999. Yeah. And it's still relevant.
1: It still works. Oh, no. Yeah, That's there's terrible. still scrubs today. That's so terrible. There's still scrubs. And your daughter just turned 15, so we just <laughs> have to pray against all the scrubs out there.
0: It's just... It's well, it was just disorienting. I, I could not believe that song still had the resonance. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. How
1: did they even find Scrubs?
0: I don't know. It's well, I know. One of the girls Did they
1: misspell? They were like trying to do some other <laughs> No. S-
0: no, so what happened is there one of JL's dance teachers, they do warm ups. Uh huh. And so her dance teacher's, you know, playing music from her youth, right? Uh yeah. And so it's um she calls it her retro playlist, which yeah. makes me feel so yeah very
1: old. Yeah, my son said, Dad, you were born in the nineteen hundreds. You're so <laughs> old.
0: The, the late 1900s. Uh, you were
1: born in the 19s.
0: Oh man yeah. did you uh, did you say I can end you? I will end you. Uh, probably. No. Uh, my son was writing a paper um, about the Matrix. Mm-hmm. It was, and he said at the end, <laughs> at the at the close of the 19th century, a <laughs> yeah. film a film was produced, and I was like at the <laughs> close of the 19th <laughs> <laughs> so good. I was like I'm gonna kill. And he showed it to me. He's like, hey, hey, hey. Uh-huh. And, and I kicked him out of the house. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, do you have any teenage? Uh, girl stories because it's something else being a dad of a teenage girl. It's, it's, it's just, it's so, it's so much. Oh my gosh. I
1: I do, Dave. I don't know where to start or which one comes to mind first. Um, I think the biggest change for me is um, there's all these like new acronyms and like hand signals, like Maggie taught me whatever, major loser. Oh yeah. You know, well, these things yeah. that they, so, um, or they, do they t- say bussin?
0: Do they say bussin? Mm. Uh, my daughter says, oh, that's bussin when something's good.
1: Yeah. Or low key.
0: Oh yeah. Low key. Of course. So oh, or if it's not good, they say that's mid.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you can grab a hold of those things and misuse them on purpose, <laughs> that's that irritates. Oh them. yeah. That's good.
0: My daughter says queen slay all the time. Yeah. When it's like a, a way to say to her friends, mm-hmm. um, good job. So I just say it now all the time. Yes. <laughs> I'll like serve dinner. Do they welcome that? No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, that's it's the just best. Super yeah. embarrassing yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, I Lindsay and
1: I went on a vacation with the kids and um, there was live music at dinner. So we, we, it was like more of a bar setting. So we got up and we're dancing You took around. your kids to a
0: bar? Yeah. You're um, a good parent. Yeah, a good pastor. Yeah,
1: thanks. Nice work. And uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a bar and we went over and we were dancing to the live music, like barely. And our kids just put their hoods on and <laughs> and bent over and were so embarrassed. They like they just they got a couple back on of years the, ago they, they got would dance with us. They got you know? back on the plane yeah. and they flew home. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Well, pray for us, Andy Gridley and myself. We're we are the father of the fathers of teenage girls, so it's yeah. it's just a whole new world for us and a whole new world. So help us embarrass our daughters as best as we possibly can. Yeah, It'll and pray be- against scrubs. Yeah, no scrubs. In Jesus' name. Scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. Right. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride trying to (laughs) holler at me. No, that's what I want to teach my daughters. No scrubs. Yeah, no scrubs. One of the lessons. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about something much better. Yes. This past weekend sermon. Okay, Andy, uh, this week, I would say that last week was the most emotional part of the Lord's Prayer yeah. Simply because it's so deep and there's so much work that all a lot of us have to do. Right. Uh, the first two weeks are actually kinda easy and they're beautiful. I it's know, like they're God fun. the Father and He provides. Yeah, it's amazing. He's awesome. Yeah. And then and then there oh, there's some hard work.
1: Yeah, not only does he give, but we have to give. We have to give yeah. forgiveness. You yeah. you spoke on that here at South Hills this last week. Yeah. And then
0: this this clause mm. lead us not into temptation. Yeah. But deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Yes. That part is, I think, for most modern people, it sounds insane to believe that there's some sort of evil tempter out there, right? Is like believing in elves and dragons. It's like you take Game of Thrones seriously, right? It's like, what? Yes, what is happening? So, just as you prepared and got into this, um. Did you kind of encounter that 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 idea? Just the idea there's going to be a ton of resistance just to the idea. Yeah, it,
1: I mean it's it really sticks out like a sore thumb. To your point, there's this like, hey, this is who God is, and then this is how we're supposed to live, and oh by the way, also pray against this evil one. You know, like there's this to your point. It feels like um, like a, a movie, and there's this like crazy, spiritual juju stuff that's going on, and we have to pay attention to that as well. So, um, yeah, I, and and then I just think for me personally in my study, it's like you have to untangle a little bit of um, our different understanding culturally of that word temptation. What does it even mean? What is temptation? You know, I think when I was um, way, way young, um, my first thought of, of, like, lead me not into temptation, when I was way, way young, my mom would go to Weight Watchers, and she would, she wanted to lose weight. That was a personal goal of hers. And right next door to Weight Watchers, where you learned all these healthy habits, right next door. Guess what was right next
0: door? Uh, some donut shop. It was. <laughs> you got it. It was a donut shop, and it was like,
1: who in their right mind put a Weight Watchers right next to the donut yeah. shop? I don't care what the uh, you know the the lease was. It's <laughs> it's like working against the goal, right? So I love to funny. go with her. I love yeah. to go because I would just go to the donut shop, and she went to Weight oh, Watchers, and funny. then we went home. But there's this idea of like temptation being this like fleshly bad stuff. And I think that's true, like a Puritan value. But, but in this, when Jesus is, is talking about temptation, it's connected to the rest of the prayer. There's a little bit more going on. So interested, excited so, to talk yeah. with you about that. So
0: unpack that because, again, I think when I think temptation, it often is, is these carnal desires that humans yeah, have for chocolate food donuts. right food or sex or something like that mm-hmm. um you're saying that this this temptation this idea of temptation is actually more it's bigger than that
1: yeah it's like not less than that but it's certainly more than ah, that, right i love that clarification yeah, yeah.
0: it's not it's not less than but it's certainly more than so, so like as you were studying and as you're looking into this what What kind of? How did you bring this this idea of this word into sharper relief?
1: Yeah, definitely. As you're studying this, you know Jesus is teaching us a prayer, and um, this prayer is not just something we recite, but really He's teaching us. I think the way He relates. To the trinity to the rest of the trinity the father and the, and the spirit this is the reality of the godhead one god distinctly three persons father son holy spirit this is how from all eternity they relate to each other there's this this deep knowing and adoration of the other our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name there's this this knowing who god is and I mean, you've spoken to this a lot, but there's a lot of misunderstanding of who God is. There's a yeah. lot of poor knowledge, a lot of he's the genie in the bottle, he's Santa Claus, he's this scary cosmic judge, and um, there's all these strange um, sort of misunderstandings of God, and G- Jesus is like, hey, there's this, when when we pray this prayer and we live into this reality, we actually get to really know God for who he is, and then within that, um, we also start learning to accept what comes our way, you know, the, uh, as it is in heaven here on earth, there's this, this radical trust, like, Hey, I'll do what's in your word. Even if I don't like what's in your word or, or, or I'll experience something in my life. I'll, I'll trust, even if I don't like it, that you're at work and you can do a good thing in and through it. So there's this radical trust piece. And then there's this asking, there's this, Hey God, you know, meet my daily needs. Like I, I rely on you. And when, when I really trust you in this way, not only do I believe you're going to give me stuff, but but I can be generous with others, with my stuff, the stuff that you've given me. And um, I, I think that temptation, what he's saying here at the end, is all tied to that other stuff, this radical knowing and accepting and trusting of God. We're going to be tempted when we live this way um, to, to stop that that life. We're going to be tempted uh, to take things back into our own control. We're going to be tempted to see God in wrong ways, all this stuff, because this life, this Jesus way is really, really tough in this world. This kingdom come is tough.
0: Yeah, it's almost like we're in a stream that is moving very fast in the opposite direction in the world, and it takes a lot of work to paddle upstream, Yeah, that kind of idea. So it's not so much about donuts and such. It's about the way that we live our lives, the way we choose to live our lives. Yeah, this Um,
1: radical trust of of god so but then there's this
0: verb here lead us not in temptation Uh, james later on says that god doesn't actually tempt you with evil that's not what god does but it says lead us it's a prayer to god it's a
1: weird thing to say don't
0: lead us into temptation implying that perhaps god sometimes does right yeah there's like 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 real dissonance god lead us to a place where he's tempting us to fall away from from him right like that doesn't so, like, even as you unpack that, but deliver us from the evil one, that's the next clause. Right. Wait, so who's doing the tempting? Is it the evil one or is, is God leading us? Like, what what's going on there? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I, I've actually heard people say, like, man, you know, I struggle with alcohol. And then there was, like, a bottle there. And did God put that there? You know, and, and the truth is, as you said in James, um, in the book of James, James says that God cannot be tempted nor does he tempt us so it's strange that jesus says hey pray to god don't lead me into temptation if that's what's our understanding of god but you then know? a
0: couple of chapters earlier in matthew 4 the spirit leads jesus into the desert right to be tempted right <laughs> or tested to be tempted uh, tested yes so are there different words at work here cuz testing makes a little bit more sense right Tempting makes very little sense, I think. So are what where where are we at with those words? Because I can under, God tests people. That's what He does. And sometimes the world tests us and our loyalties toward God. And we have opportunities to show God that. And God's primarily interested in our moral development, our, our relationship with Him. So it would make sense that He would put opportunities in front of us to power up, to level up, you know, a boss, <laughs> yeah. a boss fight, you know? Yeah. Like in a like a video game. Um, but the, so how did you, how do you, how, how do you explain that to folks? Yeah, I think this
1: area could be completely misunderstood because it's not like God again is this weird, mean boss up in heaven that we have to perform and he's testing us and then, okay, we'll get a bonus or something like that. You know, we (laughs) get a company car and a Rolex or something like that. I think, um, Jesus is saying this having just earlier on in Matthew been to your point tested in the desert. And if you remember, the whole point of that test was th- that Satan came and just kept saying like, hey, you know, if you really are, if God really is, you know, these were tests to really um, to grab lesser things as um, um, uh, a sense of identity, a, a sense of uh, Sa- safety, uh, provision, those kinds of things. So it's really ultimately a test to stop trusting God, to, to stop relying on God, being faithful in this walk with God, to take things uh, in, in our own way, uh, under our own control, to make ourselves the moral center of the universe, those kinds of things. And so, yes, I think the word, uh, if you look at it as people have teased it out with the context of things like the, the book of James, it says he doesn't test us or tempt us. The, the, the actual word here is he's when we're when we live this way, this Jesus way, we will be tested in a world that is anti God. The enemy will come, and he actually has schemes and purposes for you to just like he did with Jesus in the desert to bail on God, to give right. up, to stop being faithful. And there's this whole flesh piece we could talk about that too that makes it internally hard that Satan you know kind of puts the Salt, or his thumb in the wound a little bit of yeah. our flesh and, and pushes there and um, makes it hard for us to to want to be faithful to God.
0: Our predisposition because of our sin nature yeah. actually pulls us in the wrong direction away from God. Uh, it's interesting, that, that helps a lot because temp- tempting versus te- testing makes sense that, that I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, if you live this way, it's going to yeah. be really difficult. I
1: think the test is to rely to pursue to run back to God, to be resourced by God to do life with God. It's that kind of orientation. The test is to to curve in word to to so move away from God. If we, if we, if we God. take
0: this word, lead us not into temptation, if, if we tie that back to the tempting in the desert, back in the earlier parts of Matthew. Yeah. That can help us say, "Oh, that's what Jesus was doing." And I don't it, could you could you help me out and not take me there?
1: Right. I think it's actually, this is what I love about scripture and about Jesus. He's so realistic. When he's saying, lead me not into temptation, he's like, I just lived it. It, it sucks. It's hard. This, I mean, if anybody reads 40 days in the desert without food, you know, like fasting, praying, like they're, that was not easy. So I think Jesus saying, hey, when you leave, live this way, when you live into this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, et cetera, when you live this way, this radical knowing of God, radical acceptance, radical trust, um, it's going to be hard. Yeah, And, and, and there's going to be times where you're going to be put to test if you really can continue to live this way, want to live this way, are faithful to live this way. Um, and when those times come— um, it is human to say, "I don't want to be here. I don't want to experience this." And I, I know in my own life. I, I'm guessing you have some times in your life. I'd be curious to know, like where you're just like, "God, please, anything but this." I think that's what Jesus is saying.
0: Yeah, well, it's it reminds me of the garden uh, when Jesus is like, "If there's any way that this that yeah. this that this can pass from me." Yeah. But, and then he, what's he do? He kind of repraised the first part of the Lord's prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Right. Which is kind of the first part of that. So I think you'd be a fool to say, this is what I want. I'd mm-hmm. love to go into the desert and go toe to toe with, you know, the tempter. Yeah. The Satan, the accuser. Right. That, that always awesome. feels to
1: me like spiritual CrossFit. It's like, how many tires can I throw, you know, to, to be cool and look good to God? You know, and I don't think that's how God is, is testing us.
0: But if it comes. Yes. If it comes. And when it comes. Or when it comes. Yeah. Let me win with your help. Yeah. Deliver me. Yeah, deliver me. So deliver, well, actually, I I probably misspoke. I said, let me win. Deliver me is actually a posture of, I need rescue. Yeah. So even in that, it's not like, help me be super strong and awesome so that I can beat up Satan and win and be the best. Right. Deliver me is a, is, is a posture of helplessness. Right. It remind it deliverance is what the Israelites needed from Pharaoh.
1: Yeah. There's some, some, um, some shades of that word of, of deliver me that actually for, f- For the listeners who would have heard that word, it it would imply one of the uses was to drag somebody like through the street to drag them out of danger. And I, you know, I picture all those war movies where we see somebody who's wounded and somebody grabs them. them them, You know, so there's that kind of sense of delivery. Yeah, it's not somebody up on their feet pounding their chest like I'm awesome. Right. They're like, I need help. I need some support here.
0: So even that posture in the prayer is a reminder of who's ultimately... In, in charge who we rely on. Yeah. So it's another it's another statement of um dependence, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um in, in the world. Okay. Um so if that's the reality of where we're gonna go, like why do we pray this daily or what why is that necessary as we kind of look at that? Because is that is it just because like how how do you unpack why why did Jesus include this clause yeah. as part of a daily prayer that we're supposed to really think about?
1: Yeah, well, I think the point is that if you are committed to living this Jesus way, this, this Christian life, if you're committed to, to following Jesus, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have challenge. In this world, you will have a testing um, whether or not you really rely on God. If it, um, and when those times come, Jesus is first, I think, just humanized, like, this is going to be tough. It's okay. Um, you know, I love that meet and greet time where it's like, "How you doing?" In, in service. Like, turn and say hi to somebody. And there should be times in our lives where we say, "How you doing?" and our answer is terrible, terrible. It's awful. <laughs> I'm Everything going is through terrible. something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so, this is, should be something we learn to, to to hold in our brothers and sisters. Um, and it's something that we should see in ourselves. And you know, a clarification here: a temptation in and of itself is not sin. When I'm tempted to give up this way of radical trust and allegiance and acceptance and belief, that in and of itself, that tempting, is not sin. We, we know in Hebrews that says that Jesus was tempted in every way. And Jesus is sinless. So when we experience temptation to give up, to do things our own way, um, the best thing to do is just acknowledge that it, that that's what we're facing, right? To confess it, to name it. And then uh, the invitation is, is to follow Jesus. Um, even further, uh, and you mentioned already in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think this was Jesus' hardest night by far. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, I, I, I don't know that we do enough to slow down and really read and, and empathize and experience what it must have been like to be Jesus in that moment. But in that moment, in being fully human, Jesus says, please take this cup. That word cup is like this Hebrew language, you can fill this in, you studied this too, but of wrath, you know, our English language is so not poetic, but I think like for me, I probably, if I was trying to make it poetic and more like visceral for our, our language, I would say, God, please don't make me drink Drano. Like, please, (laughs) you know, the burning in my chest as sin begins. It's suffering. It's the
0: cup of suffering and it's going to be terrible. Yeah.
1: So it's human and it's fair and it's right to say, I don't want this God. And yet, Um, by accepting and trusting and following God, he ushered in the very kingdom, which now through that prayer, he invites us to pray and live into so that we can be participants in this kingdom as well. Why pray this prayer in totality and including the very end there is so that we can experience the kingdom and we can usher in and be a part of bringing the kingdom here on earth. That's God's plan.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting that we're supposed to keep in front of us this idea of suffering, (laughs) Yeah, that it's going to be tough. And that's interesting, too, because I think a lot of folks and myself included, uh, it's not like I'm some sort of spiritual giant here, but there's a sense in which, oh, my goodness, if I have Jesus in my life, things are just going to go up and to the right. Yeah. Because it's God. And hashtag blessed. Yeah. Hashtag, you know, victorious. Hashtag. Yeah. Je- you know, Jesus works all things to good for those who love him. Yeah. You know, and, and it's true. It is true, but not perhaps in the way that I think.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things I came across when I was studying is this idea that you cannot avoid temptation. You cannot avoid testing. If you're really following Jesus and you're wanting to become like him, you're going to experience temptation. You cannot over... Um, you cannot... <laughs> Avoid it, but you can overcome it. That's what Scripture promises. But it's not that sort of, you know, I'm awesome kind of overcoming that sometimes, right? Is pervasive in yes. our thinking and in our culture.
0: When we say we have overcome, we think uh, we've overcome and now we're comfortable and
1: it felt good the and, whole time. Yeah, it was and, and, easy, yeah,
0: and that's not, yeah, that's not what's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, let's talk about the supernaturalness of this too. Yeah. The deliver us from evil or the evil one. Yeah. Some translations say evil one. Yes. Some say evil. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Most scholars think that just because of the the actual phraseology and the words that come before and after that word in Greek is it is personal. It's an evil one as in the devil as in Satan. And I know people are all over the spectrum on that. Like, no, all the evil in the world that we're experiencing is just cause and effect. Um, it's just our own. There's just wicked people. If we're just more educated, we'll get ourselves out of this evil. To people who see the devil behind every bush, you know, every yeah. bad news story is because of the devil. And so that I, I know that w- even listening, we have a spectrum of, well, of opinions certain, and it's thoughts a, about saying It's a foreign idea. I, yeah,
0: You know, when you say... That there is, uh, it reminds me of that, do you remember that moment in, oh man, it was. it's in Kings. I think, oh, I should look this up. I have to look this up because I'm going to feel stupid. I'm okay. going to say it wrong. So give me a second. So
1: there. while you look that up, I'm going to share this quote from C.S. Lewis. And Uh-oh. I think it's so cool because screwed again. tape letters? Did you quote nope, the screw tape? Oh, no, okay. but it's it's in mind with this thought of this prayer. Like Jesus again gives us this prayer to live into this reality of the kingdom come. This is what it's like. Um, to walk with Jesus, the way of Jesus, and to usher in this kingdom. C.S. Lewis says this. It's really interesting um, in regards to there being resistance to this new kingdom, this new way. C.S. Lewis says, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan.
0: Man. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. So there's a battle. Yes. Well, the, I was thinking of that moment, and uh, it's kind of Old testament but it kind of reveals a biblical truth. It's in Second uh, Kings, and this is with Elisha. Oh, yeah. And what, what's happening in the story is that it's this crazy moment where um, Syria, the, the nation of Syria, Syria is making all these battle plans, and God keeps telling Elisha their battle plans, and he keeps telling the king of Israel, and they keep thwarting them. Yeah. So the king of Syria is like, oh, there's got to be some sort of uh, spy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, who's the spy? And they're like, nobody. It's this. It's this prophet, Elisha. He knows what you're thinking and saying in your bedroom in your bed chambers. Yeah. And he's like, well, let's kill that guy so we can win. So yeah. they go to seize him, and um, they call him in, in in this text, and they surround. He's in Dothan, the city. And so the king of Syria sends an army to go grab this guy because if he defeats Elisha, then his plans won't be revealed anymore. Right. right? Yeah. And so. Uh, it says the servant, um, this is in second Kings, uh, in verse 15, uh, in, in chapter six, um, it says when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And and then Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Yeah. And the servant must've been like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah. Like the old man's lost it. Like, you know, you're, 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 is your vision gone?
1: Yeah. If you really pause and think about that, you visually see in the physical world, this gigantic army and the guy next to you is like, don't worry. There's, we got more on our side.
0: And then uh, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yeah. That does not play well to our modern ears it's right it feels that feels like a fairy tale it feels insane Mm -hmm. and yet all through this this is what jesus is telling us be aware of this you've got an enemy what what's the the the, he he's like a roaring lion that prowls around looking for people to kill and destroy right i think
1: first peter yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so that reality now without being weird about it like how to like, how do you think about that? Like, how does that shape? Yeah, if here's we're how supp- I'm currently thinking okay, about it yeah, as I'm, it
1: relates to just praying into this prayer, living into this way of Jesus, and expecting adversity and expecting the evil one. Um, you know, th- there. I think Second Corinthians two eleven is a is a passage that says that that um, that Satan is actually like thinking through schemes um, to get me off course from following Jesus, following this way. Um, when Jesus resists the devil, um, we know that in Luke it says that the devil left him and waited for another opportune time. So it's not like Satan is just kind of circumstantially showing up and testing folks and trying to get them um, to, to change their allegiance, et cetera. He's actively at work, constantly, constantly, looking for ways of weakness and, and testing us uh, to get us off track. And my thought about that is, if you were to ask me, like, hey, where is God active in your life? Because I've been a Christian for a while. I believe God is active in my life. I've experienced it. Even if you asked me that, it would take me a few minutes to be able to say, well, this morning, I, this is where I saw God at work. Yeah. But if scripture is true, and I believe it is, that Satan is also active in my life and you say well where is the enemy working in your life where where did you sense him trying to test you i would be like i would take me a day a week to be able to articulate that i i just am not sensitive i don't think that way back to your point about having eyes that see sort of this the the spiritual reality the spiritual realm and not just my physical world you know what i eat and my workout and my drive to to church Um, But to actually be really aware of the spiritual forces, positive and negative, in my life, it would take me a minute to articulate the good ones, the God ones. I'd be kind of void to be able to tell you where the enemy's at work. I think we need to become more aware. Jesus certainly was.
0: Wow. Uh, Like a playbook. He's got uh, our, our enemy is relentless. Yeah. He knows our weaknesses, and he's going after them. Yeah. He's like Bill Belichick. (laughs) <laughs> and he's a master coach and schemer. And if you come with your weak sauce game, you're gonna get beat. Yes. Um, man, that's that is really true. I don't think. Uh, where is Satan active in your life? <laughs> you know, it's it's
1: a little weird. No, it
0: is, but it's not. I mean, and they,
1: maybe there's some people who've abused that again. The, sure. They're sure, like, sure. you know what? You know, somebody cut me off, and that was Satan. No, and it's right, like, right. May, maybe, or maybe it was just a broken person who was rude and cut you off on the freeway. And yet, I think we should be um, increasingly aware through the power of the Holy Spirit where God wants to work and also where we're being tested.
0: I had a buddy who um, he talked about uh, shadow missions. Have you ever heard that term? So the idea is that God gives us a mission, you know, uh, something, a way to use our life that en- enhances not just our joy, but the kingdom of God. Yeah. And then on the other side, there's a shadow mission, which Satan is tempting us toward. And you see this this uh, peek out a little bit. Do you remember that moment when Peter's in a boat and it's in? in I'm on a go- boat. <laughs> and and uh, uh, J- Peter says to, to Jesus, you're not going to have to suffer and die. Oh, yeah. You're not going to have to suffer and right. die. I mean, you're the Messiah. Yes. You're the son of God. There's no right. way and Jesus like sharply turns and rebukes him. Yeah. And says get behind me. Satan. Satan. Yeah. I think it's because Satan's voice to Jesus Jesus's shadow mission yeah was to go to accomplish all that he had without the without suffering, without drinking the cup of suffering. Right. And I mean that's
1: that's so good. Here's what I know when people are like I don't know how I feel about Satan. Jesus believed in Satan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He taught about him. Yeah. He believed in him, right? In that example, he could hear Satan's voice and, yeah. and um, you know, uh, push against it.
0: So he said, my uh, my buddy was talking about this. Um, he was saying, I was like, well, do all of us have a shadow mission? He goes, I think so. Hmm. I go, well, and he said, here's mine. He goes, my shadow mission is to go to work, make lots of money, come home, and sit on my couch and watch Netflix Ooh. while the world goes to hell.
1: Ooh, Yeah,
0: and I was like, it was so sobering. Yeah, that comfort and wealth were the temptations. Yes, to distract him, numb him, anesthetize him. Yeah, from the urgency of the kingdom of God in his own life. Yeah, and for the sake of his family and neighbors.
1: That's good. Yeah, I was thinking about for me. It just, um, you know, whenever you're speaking, you're you're trying to be aware of where this is working in your life, and uh, I'm embarrassed by this, but I. Uh, I worked a lot this week prepping for this message, and I I wanted to do a great job f- for good reasons. Sure. And then I also started realizing, um, in a way, the performance side of me was starting to kind of come alive because I was hoping to get a sense of that I'm enough, that I'm okay, that I'm valued, that I have some worth. So I, I was... I was overworking in the office. To look good. And then my son, Moses, um, he was so excited for dad time when I got home. But I had expended so much energy, not just one day, but multiple days, that I felt um, completely unable to want to connect with the very son whom I love because um, I'd spent it all in the office. And I think that um, the temptation was... Answer the question: Am I enough? Am I okay? Am I valuable through my work? A really, really good thing. And so, this is—I think—it's happening it's so all subtle the it's time. So, uh, yeah. And this is what I would encourage folks. You know, the enemy is real. You mentioned the Old Testament—a cool story of somebody's eyes being, you know, unveiled, and they could see that the greater is this army, God's army, than than this scary physical human army. But we have that Jesus says that too in John. He says, um, uh, you dear children are from God and have over, overcome um, the, the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, Romans says that the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And um, through his spirit, the same spirit that helped Jesus pray that prayer in the garden and still willfully embrace suffering on our behalf, and overcome sin and, um, that spirit is alive in us. And so there is a chance, there is a way forward for me to learn to somehow keep praying this prayer, living into this prayer in such a way that I know I'm loved, uh, using this example I shared that I'm enough, that God is my father, um, that this God has a name. He's personal. He knows every need. And, um, that I can put in a good day's work in the office and still have enough for my son at home, you know, to not start to to push those lines where um, I overperform in one way and underperform in the other work that God has called me to.
0: It's all ministry. Yeah. All of it yeah. is ministry. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's saying, like, look, be aware, be vigilant. Yeah. But don't be afraid. Yes. And that there's a difference. And I think that that's where we can tend to swing one side or the other, we're either not aware at all.
1: It's just like be sober, be awake, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're
0: either not aware at all or we're aware and all of a sudden we get like freaked out, yeah. you know, like, oh my gosh, like what if I mess up? or demons going to invade my home? You know, it's just... Yeah, um, <laughs> right. I read this, article. somebody sent me an article that said, those thrift, it said, be not afraid. And then the tagline was a preacher saying, those thrift store purchases might have demons attached to them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. So we can be vigilant but not hyper-afraid, right? Right. Because Jesus is, um, as the opening of the prayer teaches us, he's a good father. Yeah, and
1: I would just say, you know, because Jesus actually experienced um, our testing in every single way, Hebrews says not only do we not have to be afraid of the evil one, but we can actually be assured that we can run to Jesus as our high priest is how he's referred in Hebrews. And, um, you know, I think that's the point is when we're experiencing this stuff eh, there's a little embarrassment, there's a little shame, like, shoot, I did it again. I worked too many hours or shoot, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, I raised my voice at my kid again, or, you know, whatever it is for people, you mentioned consuming stuff to numb out and to just kind of avoid pain, whatever it is in our lives. When we experience those kinds of tests, the point is, according to Hebrews is to run to our great high priest, Jesus, who's prayed this same prayer and experienced strength and renewal and grace in our time of need. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So cool.
0: That's the second part of the verse, right? Deliver us. Yeah. What will God do? He will deliver us. And Jesus, if anything, is proof that there is no power too strong that he can't break. And no cost he won't pay, right. No sacrifice he won't make to deliver us. Yeah, so and that's good news.
1: So sixteen says, "Let us not, uh, let us, excuse me, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive." I love that, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need.
0: There it is. Boom, man. Well, lots to think about, Andy. I think I, I think it would be good for us to think. Yeah. What are the particular? If you were Satan, what would be the playbook? Yeah. To slowly because shadow missions. Because here's the thing, you know, like in all those movies, when demons show up, right? What do they? They look like something out of Alien, out of a nightmare scape, right? But. Satan is called an angel of light. When he appears, it's not. If it was obviously scary, we'd run, right? Right. So it's the subtle temptations. Right. Um. It's the little tiny things.
1: Yeah, it's good things. Yeah, good things. He's
0: not going to turn you into a a a murderous drug cartel member overnight, right? It's going to be something much more subtle. Right. Chipping away at your marriage. Right. At your relationship with your kids. Yep. Insecurities that lead to overwork, distraction from the plan, that just it's like when you're at the beach and you start slowly drifting down the shore. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a better play. Yeah. Than you know, Oh, a demon pops out of your closet with big horns. It's scary. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's like, yeah. Um, that would be easy. Um, you, you had this book and you said, I, I thought it'd be cool if you ended with the prayer that you, you showed me. It's, um, uh, from the Valley of vision. It's a, a collection of Puritan prayers yeah. from uh, what? 150 years ago. No more than
1: that. Yeah. And it's really cool. The thought was, you know, that our prayer life, we, the tie here is that, you know, Jesus teaches us his prayer. This is, I really think this is how, um, he interacts with the rest of the Trinity and he's inviting us into this reality, this kingdom come. And, um, Puritans really believed in the power of prayer and being intentional with prayers, not just like showing up to prayer. Right. You know, just riffing it. Um and they wrote them out. Yeah, they wrote them out. And so they they have so many, but they have a a, a cry for deliverance. Uh, oh, that's great. That I thought, you know, as we talk about deliver me from the evil one. Do you want to read no, it? No, I want you to read okay, it. Okay, you want me to read yeah. it? Yeah. But you're like the lit. No, you're no, the no, lit no. major. No, no, no. Guys, I'm nervous. You go. You okay. Go. All right. All right, this is our prayer, whether you're driving or uh, listening to this as you're working out or whatever. Just this is our shared prayer today for ourselves as we are learning to um, follow Jesus. Heavenly Father, save me entirely from sin. I know I am righteous through the righteousness of another, but I pant and pine for likeness to thyself. I am thy child and should bear thy image. Enable me to recognize my death unto sin. When sin tempts me, may I be deaf unto its voice. Deliver me from the invasion as well as the dominion of sin. Grant me to walk as Christ walked, to live in the newness of his life, the life of love, the life of faith, the life of holiness. I abhor my body of death. It's in indolence, envy, meanness, pride. Forgive and kill these vices. Have mercy on my unbelief, on my corrupt and wandering heart. When thy blessings come, I begin to idolize them and set my affection on some beloved object, children, friends, wealth, honor. Cleanse this spiritual idolatry and give me chastity. Close my heart to all but thee. Sin is my greatest curse. Let thy victory be apparent to my consciousness and displayed in my life. Help me to to be always devoted, confident, obedient, resigned, childlike in my trust to thee, to love thee with soul, body, mind, and strength, to love my fellow man as I love myself, to be saved from ingenerate temper, hard thoughts, slanderous words, meanness unkind manners to master my tongue and keep the door of my lips fill me with grace daily that my life be a fountain of sweet water so good so
0: good so good well thanks andy for coming on here and talking about it yeah and you know we're just to think about this this topic of satan of the tempter of the accuser the evil one the evil one we are going to spend the next four weeks talking about that in yeah. our next sermon series which is called about that, unseen yeah yeah. so we're going to talk about all that uh partially because it's so jarring in yeah. this. so we introduced it but yours is kind of like a bridge to the next sermon series yeah so thanks for doing all that work yeah
1: absolutely all right we'll talk to you soon let's go get a donut
0: woohoo no wait no, no wait no we can't do that it's my shadow mission yeah <laughs> thanks for coming in andy Just want to say thanks to Andy Gridley for stopping by and for singing TLC with me. Just a reminder, we're starting a brand new sermon series starting next week called Unseen, which will delve into the topics of the supernatural, the devil, and all that stuff that we talked about today, which seems so jarring to modern ears. We're going to have tons of resources on the afterward. We're going to be real deliberate uh, about the questions we answer, and about the resources we give you because there's tremendous resources that we think will really help you as you delve into these topics. We think it's really important that you do. And so we're going to be back with the Afterword next week, but there's a little caveat. I'm on vacation next week, so our podcast delivery schedule is going to be a little bit delayed. Instead of the afterward dropping on Sunday, it'll probably drop on Monday or Tuesday. So sorry about that brief delay, but I'm on vacation. So when I come back, we're going to go right into unseen and we're going to talk about the supernatural. So can't wait for that, and uh, we'll see you next week.